So, Jim, I, I was um, feeling something from the Lord this morning for you. So if you don't mind me sharing it, I think it will also bless the congregation, too. Is that good? <laughs> Is that okay? I'm not going to be too long because I know you want to get preaching. <laughs> so, Jim Hill, if you, didn't, if you don't know Jim, Jim's been a part of this church practically since the beginning, maybe even before the beginning. <laughs> and, uh, and he's done a lot of work as a missionary in South America, primarily Argentina, some in Paraguay, right? So, anyways, the Lord's done so much through him. And um, I just wanted to tag along what Dean was talking about, rest. And I really feel like part of that's for you. And part of what the Lord was speaking to me about... And for any of you who really felt that word from Dean about rest, uh, okay, we went rock climbing yesterday, so I've got a bit of an analogy here. If you've ever been rock climbing, you'll, you'll probably catch on to it right away. If you haven't, just hang with me for a minute. So, see? You're already catching on. I like it. I like it. No, uh, my daughter is in college right now to teach rock climbing and all kinds of things, outdoor recreation management. And she is um, an instructor, so Scott and I had never been outdoor rock climbing, and she's, she was instructing us yesterday, so we went for the first time ever. And it was a little bit nerve-wracking for me. <laughs> and when I was on the rock, so you, you see the whole rock, and there's all these anchors set up, and, and you're wearing a harness and all these safety things, and, and it's all good. But when you're up on the rock, you're striving to climb, and it's, a, it's just a rock face, and you're, you're up pretty high. I don't know, like 40, 50 feet, yeah? And so sometimes you're hanging on for dear life, and even though you have a harness and an anchor, and your dear sweet daughter's at the bottom holding your life in her hands, <laughs> you, you still sort of feel a little bit nervous about letting go. And uh, at one point, they were Scott and Alicia were down there chatting. My daughter, for those of you who don't know, is 21. She's just getting ready to graduate. She's almost 21. She's getting ready to graduate college. So anyways, they're down there chatting. And I said, hey, stop chatting. You need to pay attention. My life is in your hands. And she said, you're fine, Mom. You're fine. And then I said, I'm starting to get like tired. My arms were shaking. She's like, well, just let go. You know, I've got you. And I was like, okay, so then, she, and then there's this sort of system where you talk back and forth. And so she says, you just say take, and I say on me, and then you just rest. So I kind of felt like from the Lord that sometimes when you're climbing and you're, you're tired and you're, you know, it's really, really hard. And the Lord just says, just say take. And you say take, and the Lord says on me. And you don't fall, you don't get hurt, you don't get, you're way up in the air. There's all this stuff going on, but you just sit there and you just rest. And it's such a good rest from the Lord, you know? And at one point, Alicia sort of said, um, a different part of the day, she said something like, I kind of like it when Dad has to rest because it kind of gives me a feeling like it's okay. If he has to rest, I have to rest. I, I, have, I have permission, kind of. If somebody else has, you know, the ability to rest, then now I have permission to rest. It's kind of like not to feel guilty that you might have to rest and that when we do rest, we regain the strength from the Lord. And the Lord just says, on me. And as you're resting, you can regain strength and to not feel like you have to keep it all. Uh, always be strong and always be striving and always be climbing and always be uh, attaining after the next thing. But the Lord says, rest, and it's okay. So, And that you regain the strength of, on the wings of eagles. <laughs> you know, you run and don't get weary, right? So let's just pray for Jim. And I also just want to pray that for you, too, if you're sitting there and you, and you feel a little bit guilty about resting or you feel a little bit like maybe you, 
you should uh, be, be striving for the sake of other people, that it's okay to rest, and it's okay for other people to see you rest. It can make them feel permission to rest too, and just trust in the Lord, and regain strength in the Lord. Okay, so Lord, we just thank you for Jim. We thank you for all the many things that he's accomplished in your kingdom, Lord. So many mountains he's climbed, <laughs> literally and figuratively. I mean, Lord, we just thank you for the, uh, for the strength you've given him. In Jesus' name, in the ministry, in the, in the word, in, the, in his family, in all the different areas of his influence, Lord, we thank you for that. And we just thank you that he has permission to rest in you, and that, Lord, we do too. That you can give us your strength. That you can just say, on me, and we can just hang out there for a while and rest, and we know that that's okay. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I need a lot of love. Thank you. I need a lot of grace this morning. Little known fact, um, when I was a kid, we practiced redneck rock climbing, uh, which means uh, no anchors, no ropes, no safety devices at all. And as as Melissa was talking, I I remembered a time when I was um, on one of the rock faces down near Chimney Rock, North Carolina, and I was working my way out and around an overhang, and I was had just two fingers and a little crack, and I got the shakes and fell. And by the grace of God, the guy that was with me, Dick Bolton, I never remembered, forget him, because he had his, uh, he was like in a crack chimney sort of a situation, had his feet against one wall and his back up against another, and he was pressing. And as I went by, he grabbed my leg, and I wound up, he trapped my leg like that, and I wound up swinging upside down under him. And uh, so there is a time when you, you need a little bit of extra grace. I'm really glad that uh, Dick got me that day uh, and saved my life. Uh, but anyway... That's redneck rock climbing. Don't recommend it for very many people. Um, Lord, help me not mess this up. Because uh, I really think we're in a very important season in this church. I think we're in a very important season worldwide. Um, and... Um, I'm going to do something here. Um, I want everyone who has a child in this congregation, it belongs to you, whether they're your child or your grandchild, that is between the age of 10 and 21 to stand to your feet right now. All right, I want Tim and Paula to stand up because I know your boys. Okay, now I'm going to sing a song to you. They say you're supposed to start every uh, message with a joke. Well, me singing is always a joke. But you can sit down, and then I'll see if I can make this work with Jacob's help. God help us all. There we go. I am really thankful for all of the um, talented musicians we have in this group. 
but I take great comfort in the fact that I, believe, I don't have any empirical data to hang this on, but um, I believe that the Lord actually created more bullfrogs than sopranos, altos, and tenors. And that must mean that God likes to hear bullfrogs. Here we go. Missionaries ain't easy to love And they're harder to hold They'd rather give you a song Than diamonds or gold Long lonely paths And dark dangerous roads each night begins a new day you don't understand them and they might die young but they'll probably just ride away so mamas don't let your babies grow up to be missionaries pick guitars and drive them old trucks make them be doctors and lawyers and such mamas don't let your babies grow up to be missionaries cause they'll never stay home and they'll always be gone even from people they love Missionaries love going Places other preachers won't go to And giving all they got To children and widows they find Them that don't know them Don't like them and them that do sometimes don't know how to take them. They ain't wrong, they're just different. But their Bible won't let them do things to make you think that they're right. Okay, now I'm getting serious. And all you people who stood up. I'm really asking you this as a prayer. Mamas, please let your babies grow up to be missionaries. Just let them pick guitars and drive them old trucks. Help them know Jesus and cherish his touch. Mamas, Please let your babies grow up to be missionaries. But you gotta know this they'll never stay home, and they'll always be gone, even from people they love. Some of you are gonna have to release your babies.
to the nations. Because one of the surest signs that revival is in the house is the sending forth of missionaries to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations. It is one of the hallmarks of the revival that you're crying out for. So all you who have children and grandchildren, I don't know if this is a prophecy, but I do promise you it is the intercessory prayer of my heart. My heart is raise up young people that are willing to sow their lives in other nations, not just take two-week excursion trips, but people who are willing to invest their hearts and their lives so that others might know what it is to walk in the presence of God. I believe this is going to be a missionary sending church. So mamas, get ready. Well, I've got no illusions about that being pretty, but I do believe it's profound. I do believe it's profound. This will be my third attempt at trying to say what I've wanted to say to this church. I tried twice in November, and then I got invited back here again, and so I'm going to try and say the same thing this time. I hope I'm going to finish the message. Maybe the third time is the charm. The Lord gave me a prophetic word, and I'm going to refresh your memory a little bit about it. It says, you are the light of the world. Yes, you. Even me. You are the light of the world that I want to put on display. This is a season for revealing, not concealing. This is your calling. This is your time. This is your destiny. You were born for such a time as this. It is our great high privilege. For you've been chosen to reveal my glory, mercy, forgiveness, and transforming power to this generation. The enemy of your souls is hard-pressed to hinder or distort this revealing. For even when he rises up with true or false accusations against you, this will also result in your revealing. You're going to be on display. I have determined to reveal the power of my Holy Spirit to your generation through the abundant love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness that you've received as your inheritance in me. What you've freely received, freely give in abundance to those who are hurting, rejected, wounded, angry, disturbed, and trapped in darkness. We're called to do that. But then I believe the Lord has added to that word in the past couple weeks something in my understanding. I believe that we are to pray, to really get in the presence of God until we get a breakthrough of his manifest presence. There is something about 
When God manifests his presence, we know he's always in all places at all times. But when he pulls back the curtain of our understanding and allows us to actually see and feel and hear what is in his heart, that manifested awesome presence of God changes us and the atmosphere around us and everything we're involved in. Pray that you will be able to discern, believe, and step toward the opportunities that I am bringing to you. We need the eyes of God to see the circumstances in our life as an opportunity for launching out into the kingdom purposes of God. Does that make any sense? He's bringing us opportunities. Pay attention. He's bringing us opportunities. The Lord wants to reveal His power and His nature through you. The Lord is going to restore power to the church. Power for healing, power for deliverance, power to actually pray. How many of you know that there is a difference between when the grace and anointing of God is on a prayer meeting and when you just had wished you hadn't gone or you fall asleep? But when the anointing is flowing, it's an entirely different substance. It's something entirely different. When the anointing and presence of God is being manifested, it's not just a a wish list that we're telling God, well, I want this and I want that and I want this and I want that. You're flowing in the divine purposes of God. Man, I like swimming in it when the river's flowing. The Lord wants to reveal his power and nature through you to a cynical and unbelieving generation. Ain't nobody going to believe another religious message, another philosophy, if there's no demonstration of power in reality. The the world doesn't need another philosophical notation. It needs a power demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Because you have been chosen as a generation to reveal His glory. Do you believe that? I am going to become a believer before this game is over. I'm almost convinced. I'm starting to see little wisps of indication in the spirit realm that we are beginning to enter into what God really has purpose for this generation. My... Old-time good friend buddy, Larry Faldo, called me the other day weeping and crying. Now, there's nothing really unusual about that with Larry. 
you know, as, as, as us men get older, we've got really basically only two choices on how to deal with what life dishes out to us. It'll either make you tender or bitter. And by the grace of God, Larry and I have chosen to get tender instead of bitter. But he called me because when we were young and good looking um, and running around together, you know, uh, we've had, I've, I've got a lot of Larry Faldo stories. I could, I could fill up the, you know, several books of Larry, nothing but Larry Faldo stories. We've been running buddies for decades. And, um, and there was one high school nickname he would never tell me. It was still so painful to him that even though we were the most intimate of friends, he would never tell me that nickname. He called me the other day and he said, Jim, I want to tell you that nickname because God has delivered me from it. And that happened in a prayer meeting. Have you noticed the men are starting to want to get together to pray? Now, God bless the women. God bless those women intercessors. I, I, I think I would have probably perished a long time ago. They probably saved my life more than Dick Bolton did that day on the cliff in Chimney Rock. I, I need intercessors praying for me much more than most people because I'm one of those redneck missionaries. I go out there without any security. You know, no rope, no tether. I'm climb, free climbing out there. Um, but when men actually start wanting to get together, and when they do get together, you can tell something's happening. Man, we may be on the edge. We may actually be on the edge. I'm starting to have a little hope. You know, I've often said it like this, you know, all this stuff about whether women can minister in the church or whether they should or they shouldn't. Goodness gracious sakes alive. My delicate little wife over here, she couldn't pick up a hundred pounds of a bag of Portland cement off of the coffee table in the living room if her life depended on it. I know her. She couldn't pick it up. But I promise you, if I left that burden on the coffee table in the living room, it wouldn't stay there long. She'd find a way to move it. She might have to cut the bag open, you know, and dip it out with a spoon into a quart bag and carry it out. But that, if, if I neglected my responsibility, she would make sure that it got taken care of. You see what I'm saying? That's the way it's been in the church for way too long, men. The women have had to do what the men should have had all have been doing. It's time for some of us to fess up. I have some prophetic indications that there's getting ready to be a major outbreak of revival in northern Spain, Ireland, and Scotland. 
I'm not going to go into all of the things that I've been looking at that I believe that Celtic origin people, um, they, they speak a language in northwestern Spain that is very similar. It is a Celtic language. It's called Galicia or Gallego, Gallic. Is, we say Gaelic here in, in Western North Carolina, but those language origins of Scotland, Ireland, and Northern Spain are all tied together, and I don't want to go too deep into that. But I was looking at one of the greatest revivals in the 20th century, was, which was the Herbides revival from the island of Lewis. There was an outpouring in the year I was born, in 1949. There was an outpouring there. And there's this guy who gets credit for having started that revival. His name was Duncan Campbell. But Duncan Campbell, his testimony was is that he did not start the revival. That when he was invited to come, this is what happened his first day. He refused the invitation to come. Uh, actually, let me how can I tell this story? There were two sisters. They were old maid sisters. Um, their names were Peggy and Christine Smith. And uh, Peggy was blind as a bat. She couldn't see anything. She was 84 years old. And her younger sister was 82 years old and had crippling arthritis. They couldn't even get out to go to the Presbyterian church on the island, on the Isle of Lewis, where their father had been one of the officers in the church. But they began to pray, and they developed an intimate prayer life with the Lord and in such communion that God visited them one night and spoke to them that they were going to get buckets of rain, that rain was going to come down and that the dry ground would be flooded. And they also saw a man standing in the pulpit of the local church that they didn't know. But through a trail of events, I won't go into all the details, they figured out it was this, this Duncan Campbell guy who eventually came. Now, how would you, Byron, how would you like to go to an island? You, you travel seven hours across the North Irish Sea and you finally get to this place, this Isle of Lewis, and you go in there. And there's about two, 300 people, they said, in the room. And they had a pretty good meeting. Nothing extraordinary. Uh, Duncan preached his little heart out, and then they dismissed the meeting, and about 10.30, everybody was going home. And uh, as they were leaving, one of the elders, there was only two people in the room, and there was uh, Duncan, the invited preacher, and one of the deacons in the church. And the deacon said, this is not what God promised me. He promised me that we'd have an open heaven and that he would call in people to this church. And he, he was just started crying out to God. It was him and in the, in the invited pastor. And he fell down in the floor and, as they put it, went into a trance. 
He was so emotionally involved in this by this time, he was actually a disciple of these two older women who had taught him how to pray. And so about that time, he falls in the floor and goes into a trance. Someone else that had already left comes back and opens the door and he says, Pastor, you better get out here and see this. There was 800 people in the yard. 800 people in the yard. And a hundred of them were young people who had been at a beer-drinking dance down the street and in the middle of the party felt the conviction of God come on them and they were out in the yard laying in the grass face down saying, is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? Can I find mercy here? So they come back in the church. That's why Duncan Campbell had a lot of trouble taking credit for the revival. (laughs) Do a little research on the Lewis revival of 1949. Read about it. Read about it. There's places on the web you can go out and you can, you can find these places. But it was something that God orchestrated. It was not man initiated. That's what I'm holding out for. I don't want to follow the pattern of the Lewis revival. I don't want to follow the pattern of the Welsh revival. I want to find out what God wants to do right here and right now. I want to hear what God has in store for us because I do believe that word I just shared with you. I'm out here free climbing, but I'm staking my life on it. I believe they were going to see a God-orchestrated outpouring of the Holy Ghost with fire and healing and deliverance and salvation. And some of you numbskulls are going to take the gospel out to the nations. Get ready. Okay, i am got 10 minutes and I'm ready to get to my message now. <laughs> that was the introduction. Oh, have mercy on Byron. You need to really pray before you invite me to do this again. Okay. I, uh, oh, gosh, I can't even figure out now. Where is the book of Acts? Where did the Lord hide that book? Okay, Acts 3. I'm going to read a few scriptures here. Um, I'm just going to read it pretty fast. Acts 3, 1 through 12. Um, Just listen to this story and imagine yourself in it. Because it's coming to a village near you. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a 3 o'clock prayer service. There's the boys getting together at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to pray. Okay? 
won't belabor that point. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. His motives may or may not have been altruistic. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. They must have been pretty shabbily dressed. He says, uh, the, the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold for you. They were probably dressed like fishermen. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Lord, I claim that that which was true on that day will be true in our day. That a man who hasn't walked in years could get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, they went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had been so, that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tighter, tightly onto Peter and John. And Peter saw his opportunity. That's the word of the Lord for you. That's the word of the Lord for me. Have eyes to see your opportunity. Be ready to release the supernatural power of God. And then when it is released, have eyes to see your opportunity to stand up and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Pack your bags. Get ready. Get ready. Because he wants to reveal his power in you. But there's something even more profound I want to read to you. It's over in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 34 through uh, 40. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come on, you who are blessed by my Father. Are you blessed by your Father? Come on then. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick. You cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When do we ever do that for you? And the king says, I tell you the truth when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You see there, that's the nature of, of Jesus. Kindness and generosity 
should be our fragrance. It should be our nature to feed the hungry, to welcome the stranger, to not be angry in traffic. It should be our nature to be loving, to be the most loving people in the neighborhood. You see, God is highly exalted when his people smell like Jesus. We need to have the fragrance of the Lord that has so saturated us, we don't even realize it's happening. It's like second nature to you. You you got that saying? It's like second nature to us. It is our nature. It comes unconsciously, without deliberation. We respond with mercy instead of anger. We respond with forgiveness instead of resentment. That needs to be the fragrance of the church. Because, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Listen to me here now. In this next move of God, some people that ain't even in the kingdom yet are going to be the leaders of it. And there are people who have paid their dues of being faithful in the church for decades who are going to have a little bit of a struggle with it when some of these ungodly characters get promoted to the front of the line. But God is glorified in demonstrating his great love and mercy to the recently redeemed. So if some newbies are more anointed than me and Tony, I hope me and Tony can do the happy dance. Although he dances better than me, admittedly, I'll still move around a little bit. I'm going to reach back up and grab verse 29 there in Matthew 25. It says, To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Use what you got. Even if you sing worse than me, go ahead and sing. You know? I don't preach as good as all of those preachers I've always aspired to be like, but I do the best I can with what I got. You know what I'm saying? To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Don't be caught doing nothing in this next season. Now, I'm going to repeat that again. Don't get caught doing nothing even in this next season. Be doing something. Be doing something for your king. Be attentive. Little acts of kindness are hidden acts of kindness. Secret acts of kindness are more powerful than public displays of generosity. I'm out of time again. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna quick read a couple more scriptures. Though no. Nope, just one. First Peter two, verse twelve. And then I'll I'll close. I'm gonna try and be a good boy. It's hard for some of us to obey all the rules. First um, Peter two verse twelve. That ain't looking right to me. Yeah, there it is. Um be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Now, that last phrase, when he judges the world, uh, what version we got up there? Yeah, that in the New Living Translation, in the footnote, it gives the literal uh, translation of that last phrase. And it's, um, it reads like this. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when in the day of visitation. They will give honor to God in the day of visitation. Now, the ultimate visitation is that final great white throne judgment day, right? And I surely don't want to show up naked before that white throne of judgment with a lot on my conscience. You know what I'm saying? I want to go out clean. Okay? But there's another kind of visitation that we're preparing for here. We're preparing for a visitation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're preparing for a visitation of revival. And, and, and when I'm talking about revival, I'm talking about in, in one of those little towns on the Isle of Lewis in a town called Arnold. Uh, they were directed to go there, and when they got there, there were 200 people already on their faces praying before God. And uh, they, they prayed a prayer that night, and the whole house shook in the house of John the blacksmith. The, the house shook. And within a week, every beer hall in town was closed, and they've never opened until this day. It affects society when you have a major visitation. How many of you want to pray in a visitation of God? Let's get serious about it this time. Okay, we've been sort of piddling and squibbling and, you know, wanting and and craving, but I'm beginning to see and sense signs in the Spirit. When Byron got up here this morning, there was anointing on the man. There was anointing on the man. He is a way maker. I'm going, I'm all in for the anointing. I want to get in on what God wants to do in this season. I ain't giving up on this country. I'm not giving up on Ireland. I'm not giving up on northern Spain. I'm not giving up on Scotland right now. And next week I'm going to Argentina. So I hadn't given up on that either. So pray for me because, you know, I'm out there rock climbing without a rope. But I'm resting in Jesus. Okay, that's all I got to say today. Um, That wasn't just a good word.
That was a call to action. If you remember, si tú te acuerdas, eso no fue solamente una palabra, sino un llamado a la acción. First of the year, Byron preached a message. Al principio del año, Byron predicó un mensaje. Where he said we are going to be given opportunities this year. Donde él dijo, se nos van a dar oportunidades este año. ¿Se acuerdan de esa palabra? And we need to seize them. Y nosotros necesitamos tomar esto. Right away. Inmediatamente. Not go back and forth wondering was that God. No, no ir de acá para allá, tomar esto ahora. Did I hear right? Should I, shouldn't I? ¿Será que escuché bien? ¿Será que no? Opportunities will present themselves from the Lord. Las oportunidades se van a presentar de parte del Señor. And then we need to respond accordingly. Y nosotros tenemos que responder de acuerdo a esto. Okay, so Jim's word was an opportunity from God this morning. La palabra que trajo el hermano Jim fue una oportunidad en esta mañana. And I do want to ask the ministry team to come up. Yo quiero pedirle al equipo de ministerio que venga. But I'd like to ask anybody in here, and I mean seriously, don't feel bad if it ain't you. Stand up if you want to respond to this opportunity. Yo quiero darte una oportunidad. Si no eres tú, no te sientas mal, pero párate y ven aquí a recibir. Because God is not looking for perfect people. Porque Dios no está buscando por gente perfecta. He's looking for his people. Está buscando por su pueblo. With all their blemishes. Con todas sus debilidades, manchas. You know, I, I think it's, in the Bible, I, I think there's two people. I can only think of one of them, but Daniel... En la Biblia hay dos clases de personas y una de ellas es Daniel. Was one person God never revealed any of his flaws in the word. Y es uno de los que Dios no le reveló sus fallas a este hombre. Do you know who the other one was? I can't remember who it was. No me acuerdo quién fue el otro. Joseph? Oh no, Joseph had flaws. He was a braggart and he was not using wisdom when he um, uh, bragged about his dreams. No, he had his flaws. Who is it? Noah. Okay. All right. Everybody else, God revealed their flaws. A todos los demás, Dios mostró sus fallas. You know, Methuselah died in the flood. Sabían que Matusalén murió en el cuando vino la inundación. Because there was no one righteous on the earth, meaning Methuselah was not a righteous man. Aún Matusalén. Do the math. Do the math. Haz la suma. Okay, so we could all be in the Bible. Todos nosotros podemos estar en la Biblia. Amen. 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 Father God, right now in Jesus' name, I release your Ruach HaKodesh on this congregation. Ahora mismo, Padre, soltamos al Espíritu Santo sobre esta congregación. Give us spiritual eyes, Father God. Señor, danos ojos espirituales. To recognize our opportunities. Para que podamos reconocer nuestras oportunidades. To know how to pray. Saber cómo orar. To know what to say. Saber qué decir. To have the courage and the grace to go out and do what you've called us to do. Tener el coraje de ir y hacer lo que tú nos has llamado a hacer. On a grandiose scale. De una manera grandiosa. And in the supermarkets and, and Walmarts. Y aún en los lugares, en los negocios y en Walmart. Let us be part of the birthing of this revival. Déjanos ser parte del nacer de este avivamiento. In Jesus' name. En el nombre de Jesús. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything at all, come up and let the ministry team minister to you. El ministerio de oración va a orar por ti. Amen. Amen.